0: Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special episode of Freelance Party Broadcast. I'm Faye and this is Jess. Hiya. And you're listening to the podcast of Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers. Before we
1: get started, just a reminder that we are recording from our homes, so the sound may not be as good as you're used to when we're recording in the studio, but we're doing everything we can to keep bringing you this podcast. Today, we're excited to be joined by Linda Davis Carr, a business turnaround coach known as the Master Fixer. To discuss the ways to scale your business during the coronavirus pandemic and beyond. Thanks for joining us Linda.
0: Pleasure, nice to be here. Perfect, well let's get stuck in straight away. So firstly it would be great for you to just introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about what you do. It's kind of give, gives it away in the title doesn't it? Um, A
2: a girlfriend of mine, a friend of mine came up with the title Master Fixer. She said, because do you know what, Linda, you're the go-to. You're the one we all come to when we need something fixed. It kind of started at school and never really went away. So I help businesses turn around their performance. I help them fix their systems, their processes, and the stuff that they do. I help them get more clients and make more money. And more importantly, get more clients, make more money, and sleep better at
1: night. That's so interesting. So how did you get into that? As you say, it kind of started at school. Is it the first job you had?
2: No, I've got, um, I've got a really, I'm really old. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> 55. So I've got 30 years plus experience of doing this stuff. Um, I didn't go to university. I was, I was desperate to get out and make some money. So I did a training management program with the retail firm, Sainsbury's. And then from there, it was the 80s, you got promoted really quickly and I was the fixer. I always got stuff done at really, really fast pace and took people on the journey. So I got promoted really quickly and I moved into financial services from food retail. So it was all quite fast and I really, really enjoyed it. And I did a load of coaching qualifications in my early 30s, had my girls, did my MBA when I was a uh, part-time when I was about 36, when the girls were really little. And I kind of developed this coaching style that worked for me. So I had all the process improvement stuff from the corporate role. And I kind of molded that together with the coaching style. And that's what kind of works. Amazing.
1: Who are your clients in general then? Who do you help? I help small,
2: small ambitious business owners. So people who, Usually they've probably been in business 18 months to two years and they don't really understand or know what to do next. They're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling like they're struggling. They're not sleeping at night because they're worrying about it. They're ready to scale, but they don't know how. They've started off as a freelancer. They've kind of grown up a little bit and go, no, I'm a small business owner now. I want to move forward. And they don't know where to turn next. They're overwhelmed with all the BS that you see on social media, all that I can get you to six figures or seven figures in two minutes flat. And they want that and they're enticed by it, but they don't know where to start. So
0: what are the kind of methods that you put in place for the different clients from like, if I was coming to you just from the get go, how would you deal with the different scenarios and the different outcomes that you can get from all of your coaching? I think it's interesting, isn't it? You see all this stuff on social
2: media about I've got this blueprint, I've got this 10-step plan. And actually for me, I believe that every business is different and every business owner is different. We all have different needs, different desires, and we have different experiences. So it's about taking what that person needs, taking where that person is and understanding really where they want to get to and how to help them get there. So I always kick off with a three-hour strategy session. And my job is to get inside their heads get under the skin of their problems and unpickle the thinking so that we can come up with a plan together to help us develop an action plan to move them forward
1: that's so interesting is it is it harder for businesses to scale and grow at the moment if they're also having to adapt their business at the same time
2: it's bound to be more difficult at the moment because of the economic environment bound to and because people are nervous and anxious about what's going on in their home lives Um, Maybe they're overwhelmed with the news. Maybe they're overwhelmed with all the changes. Maybe the bottom's fallen out of their market. Maybe the clients that they thought they had have just disappeared overnight because again, likewise, they're nervous as well. So I think at the moment, yes, of course it's harder, but there's still a way of doing business. I'm still working with people who have grown their business during the lockdown. I don't think it's just about mindset. I think it's about finding what works for you during these uncertain times. I mean, I have successfully negotiated myself through, and my business is through, three recessions. Now, this is different because this is a pandemic and a recession. And as we come out of it, it's really interesting going to work out who's in it for the long game and who started a business. And really, maybe they weren't suited to working for themselves.
1: Do you think we'll see more people um, who are self-employed currently look for employed roles now because of the stress of being freelancer in a pandemic or do you think it'll go the other way and more people look to be freelance
2: I wish I had a crystal ball I don't know I've had a couple I've had two conversations with two different groups of people this week with completely opposing opinions one's gone my business has crashed what am I going to do and she's been looking at jobs in retail spaces she has been looking for a job in Tesco's but she's realized she doesn't have even with a part-time role she doesn't have the flexibility of supporting her family I've had another one who who is employed and going do you know what i don't want to feel this stress working for someone else trying to juggle the children and homeschooling and working an eight hour day so i'm going to go and seek something self-employed i'm going to seek to be a freelance so i've seen it both ways
0: literally in the last week because it is true though you have to actually weigh out the pros and cons and realize if freelancing is actually for you As much as I would love to be freelance and have that flexibility, I know that I wouldn't work well in that. But there are a lot of people that would thrive in that. Like Jess does freelance work on the side of what she does now. So may well be perfect for doing freelance self-employment for the rest of her life. Like (laughs) post all of this. But it is really interesting what you've said there. Just kind of weighing out, is it actually for you? Yeah, it's really tough. It's really tough because... you
2: know we are encouraged every day to start a business anybody can start a business they could wake up today and go i'm going to be self-employed today i'm going to create a business which is amazing it's really really easy and i think our country and our attitudes make it really easy to start a business but staying in business making a profitable business that's hard and that's really hard and I think people
0: are misled by some of the stuff you see on social media because it's hard being self-employed. Absolutely. And with that as well, I guess, comes all of the like risks and different things that may come your way when you're self-employed. So I guess um, what can freelancers actually do to reduce the risks of their businesses while growing at the moment? That's a really great
2: question. I think um, I encourage everybody to go back to basics because we just don't know how this is going to pan out. So I would encourage everybody to have really firm and solid foundations for their business. And at the moment, go back to basics. So is your ideal client that you identified when you first started still your ideal client? Yeah? Does your language and copy still talk to that ideal client? How are you feeling about sales? Yeah? Are you selling to your ideal client? Are you selling? Because some people are not at the moment, they're either nervous or anxious or whatever they've done in the past, just not working at the moment. So I encourage everybody to go back to basics on a really, really regular basis. You know, when we go through change, often you see businesses, politicians and leaders say, I'm gonna work with my 100 day plan. So if we're easing out of lockdown now, you know,
0: what's your 90 day plan? What's your 100 day plan? So essentially it's just setting yourself KPIs really. But ones that are in bite-sized pieces so that you don't have to be so scared (laughs) yeah I mean everybody sets big scary goals don't they they want I
2: want Mm. to be I want to be earning this by by Christmas I want to be uh, earning this by next year but I've always been encouraged uh, by my coach and I encourage all my clients to yeah by all means set the big exciting goal because that's motivational isn't it absolutely But break it down into bite-sized chunks. She talks about mosquito goals because mosquitoes can do damage, can't they? That's her analogy. But break them down into mosquito goals and celebrate them every single time you achieve a mosquito goal because the excitement or the motivation of achieving that will keep you
0: in momentum to achieve the bigger ones. I love that mosquito goal. I'm taking that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's nice. (laughs) We now have some questions that have been sent in by freelancers. James asks, before the coronavirus crisis, I was ready to launch an app version of my website, but now I think that I should hold off until the lockdown ends. So James's website is basically a football website that he's launching into an app. So it's specific content for football fans that they can access as part of the app, as part of a subscription. It's a very similar website to the app. It's not like launching a new business. It's just launching a new part of it. But there is significant cost in kind of getting the app up and running but he thinks it would increase the number of people who subscribe to his website slash app.
2: I would say sport is going through a huge amount of change at the moment and we haven't leveled out, so we don't know what it's going to look like. It's still really early on in the football season, so I'd probably be encouraging him to sit out a little bit longer. It's always risky investing in your business, hugely investing in your business and doing some sea change whilst there's organisational change going on. So probably without understanding the dynamics of the business a little bit more, I'd probably encourage him to give it more time and not rush into investing money, assuming he's done you know, risk-based analysis about the investment, um, the probability, um, how it pans out. I'd be interested to see the numbers and the assumptions that he's made in his business model before he goes
1: investing at this time. On a similar note, because this is kind of someone making a change in their business, For those who are just starting out as freelance, just becoming a freelancer now, maybe they've been made redundant and they've set themselves up as a freelancer. Would you have any advice for them at the moment?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would say when you're starting out, especially when you're starting out and throughout your career as a business owner, always work harder on yourself than you do on your business because you are are pivotal to the success or the failure of that business. And your mindset, your confidence and the way that you work will be affected on how developed you are so it's all well and good starting a business but what's your mindset like to support that because having a business being self-employed is like a roller coaster of emotions so how are you equipped to best help that so what are you reading how are you looking after yourself how are you nourishing yourself you had a guest a colleague of mine uh deb Bulcock, on talking about burnout a few weeks ago yes we did yeah deb and i worked together and you know it's all about nourishing yourself at the moment so that you can nourish your business
1: oh that's brilliant the link between kind of mental health and business because we're constantly doing the thing of like oh you got to grind and work hard we always see that and really that's just you know you'll just burn out as as deborah said and you're right we had deborah on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about how this could lead to burnout and that's going to be dreadful for your business.
2: Yeah, I would say probably it's more like a counterbalance. You know, the mindset coaches amongst us would say it's 80% mindset and 20% strategy. You know, I turn that on its head and I went, that can't be the case. You know, if, you, if your mindset's brilliant, but you've got no plan or you're not taking any action, it's not going to work. But if you've got, plan but your mindset is shot and your confidence is shot and you can't cope with the roller coaster of running a business and the emotional roller coaster of running a business and the rejection that you get all the time if you can't handle that then equally it's challenged so I think probably it's
0: a balance of strategy and mindset and action absolutely We also have another question from a lady called Lucy, who asked, should I wait until I can outsource more work before I scale up my freelance business?
2: Mm, It's a lovely question.
0: Um, I have a phrase that I use. I, I quote a lot and I go, do what you do
2: best and outsource the rest. So I'm a great believer in outsourcing. I believe we should outsource everything. But the challenge becomes, and it's an emotional challenge. It's like, can I afford it? Can I afford to outsource it? So probably my guidance would be, you should outsource before you scale. And the logistical reasons and the practical reasons of doing that is you need to make sure your processes are sorted, the way you do stuff is sorted before you outsource. It's pointless and fruitless and a complete waste of time and energy if you outsource something that's broken. Because you spend too much time trying to explain to the person you've outsourced it to. It's just wasteful. So get your processes sorted and then start outsourcing and then grow. Because if you're trying to grow before you outsource, you won't have enough time in the day and you'll be exhausted and overwhelmed and frustrated. And then you, it's likely that you might make poor decisions in your choice of outsourced person or service because you're so overwhelmed and just want it done in a hurry. So I would always say, grow steadily, Yeah, grow with pace, grow steadily, but make sure you've got the right people around you and you've outsourced to the right people because the first person you find to outsource probably won't be the right person. And sometimes you've got to learn how to delegate. Lots of my clients want to do more. They want to grow. They want to outsource. They're either fearful of outsourcing because they're control freaks and they don't want to let go. They're nervous about handing something over or they don't know how to delegate because they never have. And it's always been easier and more simple for them to keep everything to themselves. And then you've almost got that fear of failure. It's like, well, if I outsource that task, what am I going to do all day? In summary, I would say outsource first and then scale.
1: When you say that some people struggle to delegate, I'm just thinking because, you know, if this is Lucy's position, how can you get better at that? Is it just a personality thing or are there ways to get better at it?
2: Yeah, there are loads of, loads of techniques to learn or or develop your skills about delegating. And it's mainly to do with trust and communication. I, um, a few, gosh, about two years ago, I needed, I was very, very busy, working too many hours and tired. And a friend told me about um, internships at Bath University. Uh, I live in Bristol and, and UWE, University of West of England in Bristol. And I thought, oh, that sounds okay, because there was funding available to me as a small business owner. And I thought it was a great way of helping with my writing, because I wasn't making time to blog, and I wasn't making time to do sufficient social media. So I took on two interns, one from Bath, one from UE. They joined me initially for 10 weeks. And uh, one of them, she's called Lala, she's still with me. So two years on, I think it's our two year and uh, our anniversary on the 8th of July, We do a lot of communication. We chat really, really regularly. I invested a lot of time in talking to her about tone of voice. I talked to her, I spent a lot of time investing in her and teaching her what to do and how to do the stuff I wanted her to do my tone of voice. So, you know, she's 23 now and she blogs brilliantly as if she was a
0: 55 year old woman.
1: Oh, that's brilliant to hear the power of an internship.
0: Absolutely. Well, I've got myself to where I am today in marketing. And I started with an apprenticeship. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I'm such a big, like I fly that flag for all of the interns and apprenticeships and things like that. And I think now more than ever, People are going to be seeking those opportunities because now's the time where it's those that are in lockdown are starting to rethink what they actually want to do. Yeah, you are right, Faye.
1: I was an intern at IPSA, wasn't I? (laughs) That's how I started at IPSA. I was an intern and then gradually, you know, worked my way up. It's a great way to get into business. I had a
0: question myself because um, you mentioned earlier on when we were speaking about how you've thrived through like, did you say two or three recessions and how you've made the most of it. So I'd be really interested to know what kind of advice you'd give to those people that are listening now, because obviously there's gonna be a recession that's hitting us very soon or now. (laughs) But um, I just wanted to know what advice you'd give.
2: When I was in corporate is when the recessions were happening. But again, it's a similar strategy. It's a similar plan. And we are going to hit an economic uh, recession, you know, as we ease out of lockdown, if we haven't already. So I think it's about consolidation, isn't it? It's about, as I said before, going back to basics, working out what works for you, working out what your clients want, because often what we have isn't what they want, or what we have isn't what they need right now. And sometimes as business owners, we just carry on with our head down, plowing through going, well, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing. And we don't make the time to go back to basics, back to those clients and go, well, what do you need now? Because our needs are changing. I would urge everybody to not try and conquer the world, to go back to basics, consolidate what they're offering, make sure they know their numbers, because you would be horrified as to the number of people, the business I talk to, and they just don't know their numbers. So, you know, what's that classic saying? Um, what gets measured gets managed. So you need to be all over your numbers, especially during this period of time. And actually, what could you cut out? So how could you consolidate? Go back to basics so that you can grow your business. You can scale. You can simplify. You can come out of the recession growing because it is absolutely possible. And lots and lots of businesses who consolidate actually grow during financial recessions. And they're the businesses that do exceptionally well. So, don't be freaked out by all the negative press that's going on in the news, you know, the, the companies that are going out of business. Turn it off. Don't watch it. It's it's not worth it. Just focus on what's your stuff. Keep the main thing, the main thing, and stay in your lane, because anybody else's opinion is is not your business.
1: So for freelancers who can't find work at the moment, and maybe kind of at a loose end, how would you recommend they spend their time if they cannot find clients, if they they really have exhausted quite a few channels of trying to find clients? I would say probably it's
2: about working on yourself and working on your business and being really honest with yourself is have you done enough? Because often we get caught in a trap of, yeah, I've, I've done everything. I've exhausted everything. But actually, have you looked at your business with fresh eyes? So could you go back to basics? Could you get a big piece of paper out and some, and some sharp ears and look at your business really objectively? Could you engage with a business coach? But maybe if you can't afford a business coach, could you talk to a friend, engage with a friend and grab a couple of hours with them and get them really to pick apart your business and look for the opportunities? Because sometimes we're so far into it, we can't see it. And if we can't afford a business coach, or we just don't think it's right for us. Pick the friend that's got a critical eye. Pick the friend or the colleague who's going to tell you the truth. Don't pick the friend that tells you you look brilliant and everything. Pick the friend that tells you your bum does look big in those jeans. Really pick your business apart because do you know what? We think we're doing everything we can and usually we're not. We're probably doing 60 to 70%. But look at your business with fresh eyes. And if you can't, get someone to help you who can. Because actually, it's the critical element. critically. Uh, reviewing your business is what's going to make a difference. Yes, you can do more networking. We can all do more networking. It's whether or not we want to. Yes, we could really hone our follow-up skills because nobody follows up properly. Often was the great statistic was 80% of people just don't follow up sufficiently. And we should contact people. I think it's at 12 times. If you contact people 12 times, you have an 80% chance they're going to buy from you. And most people do one or two and then they just stop. They let their ego or their confidence get in the way because they hate reject we all hate rejection. So have you got a list of leads? Have you got a hot list? Have you got a warm list? Have you got a list that you could circle back to? Have you done everything you possibly can do without becoming their celebrity stalker? Have you done everything? So there's that, there's networking. Have you looked critically at your prices and your services? Are they fit for purpose still? They might not be. Maybe you need to have a really long, hard look at them. Maybe you should do some competitor analysis. Not spend hours comparing yourself to other people, but some proper competitor analysis. Have you done all that? And if you can honestly say you've done all that, then maybe it's time to consider whether or not you have a viable business. But only then.
1: Oh, that is so helpful. That is really, really brilliant information unfortunately that's all we have time for on this episode you'll be able to find a lot of information in the show notes below and on Freelance Corner thanks for listening to Freelance Party Broadcast you can join Freelance Corner the online platform for the UK's freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk. Here you'll find a bunch of risk producers for your business, regular guides, tools, and content on growing your freelance business.
0: You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Please like, share, and leave us a review. And let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time. We hope our listeners are staying safe at home. And thank you so much for joining us, Linda.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having
1: me.